You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 104. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for our 104th episode. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, hey, and we appreciate that. We'd also love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also very much love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podchaser. And also, if you're feeling so inclined and you'd like to chuck us a couple of dollars slash pounds. Um, yeah, uh-huh. Pounds is still worth more than dollars, so pounds. And, uh, Barely. We're catching up to you, though. <laughs> 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 but that doesn't, that doesn't annoy me. That's, but anyway, that's good for me. Uh, anyway, uh, you can chuck some money in our Ko-Fi, and uh, yeah. every little helps. So. Buy us a comic, or we can buy us a movie? Buy us a coffee? It goes, goes towards my gas and uh, electric. Very true. So, Very true. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <sighs> Hold on, I feel a bit like we're just having a laugh. And I know, to jump laugh. right into this next bit. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. We could do the catch up first, come back to it. Yeah, should we catch up first? Yeah, let's do catch up first. So <laughs> you, you, go, you, no, you go, yeah, you go first. All right, so usually I haven't really been doing much of anything, but this past week I've been reading some of my manga. I have a stack on my desk here next to me that is like all of these books that I bought a little while ago that I haven't read yet. And so I've just kind of been going through my pile. And I've, I've read a couple um, and I'm digging them. They're BL, of course. And the one of them was like a second volume of, it's called The Birds of Shangri-La. And it's basically about this male brothel in some undisclosed island location, nation or whatever. Um, it's, it's getting interesting. The first volume was just kind of like, eh, okay maybe these characters are interesting, but then the second volume, it's like someone might've killed someone else. And now they think that that person might not be dead. And so it's like this murder mystery wrapped up in a brothel story. So um, the second volume has gotten a lot more interesting, but still slowly working my way through my manga pile. We'll see how far I get before the end of the year. <laughs> I know, it's not, I've been trying to read a little bit more. I was doing quite well. Uh, and then I was doing quite well at the start of last week. Mm-hmm. Maybe did about five or six days in a row, and then the weekend happened, and I lost it. Uh, so lost I all that momentum. Uh, yeah, and I was—I've been collecting up, sorry, catching up on um, uh, the last storyline of Action Comics. Um, uh, <clears throat> Superman goes into space, and there's a storyline called War World. And mm-hmm. He's <clears throat> basically has no powers, and he's like a gladiator. And, uh, no powers do they not have a yellow sun there <clears throat> no um so and uh but he's all dressed in sort of gladiator type desk clothing mm. and um uh, yeah so I, i'm probably a couple of issues away from finishing that off but sounds very uh, much like planet hulk you know what? It, it's got similarities to it he makes mm. a lot of new friends he's also brought the authority with him which is a, a previous Wildstorm team that's now in dc comics world so um yeah, it's got some similarities to that actual storyline. But no, I, I'm sort of enjoying it. And the art is really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably going on a little bit too long. Um, so like I said, I'm behind. So I know that Superman didn't die because he's now back because I know there's a storyline going on. Uh, <laughs> called Kal-El Returns, which I need to you know, hurry up so I can catch up. Boy, talk about so. spoiling it in the title. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming they, you know, even though Superman did get killed off once, Superman's never going to die forever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, today I watched um, the final ever episode. Well, actually, I watched the, the final two episodes because I was mm-hmm. behind uh, of The Walking Dead. So the main TV series of The Walking Dead has come to an end. Yeah, but you got and, like 38 uh, other series to keep you busy, so it's all good. Well, yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of <laughs> weird, like how Fear the Walking Dead has been one of the seven or eight seasons. Yeah. And... Um, uh, and The Walking Dead's just finished season eleven, but season eleven now branches off into three separate mini- uh, three separate series. So, yep. uh, one of them is a limited series, so then it's just two spin-offs. Um, but I'm imagining what's going to happen is AMC will 
have it that a bit like what they had previous to COVID was that when Walking Dead was on, or you know, as it finished the following week, fear the Walking Dead would come on and it yeah. kind of like would overlap all year. I assume yeah. what they're going to do is probably have it that they've just got a year's worth of of zombie world. So yeah, we'll have we'll have we'll have one series finish and another series. So they'll they'll almost be able to have a zombie on the telly every night, pretty much. So, yeah, I don't uh, doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I'll be honest with you, this last season of, so, no, let's step back a bit. I remember when I watched season one of The Walking Dead, I think the mm-hmm. first season was only six episodes. I and remember. I, and uh, yeah, it's quite short. I, um, so I remember being quite like excited about it. I've never read any of the comics, but mm-hmm. I knew a comic TV series. And um, I, I really enjoyed the first season. And I remember watching that. And at the time, nobody really talking about it. I don't think the first season got gained as much traction as it did as as more seasons went on. Yeah. Because I, I remember even when season two came out, like I did, I just didn't seem to know anybody that was watching it. Um, I can't even imagine like people not talking about Walking Dead. Well, I just I remember when the second season came out, like um, it was very slow the first the second season, and there was this whole uh, storyline in the first few episodes of the second season where. I think it's Carol's daughter went mm-hmm. missing, and then she comes out the barn and right. she's a zombie. And I think that took like seven episodes to kick in. And this that for the first seven episodes, they thought she was missing. And when she comes out of this barn with all these other zombies, I was like, what? At the time, I was like, what a flipping twist. I was like, that was, I just remember at the time thinking how brilliant that was. And I didn't know anybody that was watching it. I was like, I can't, can't even talk about it. <laughs> I was like, I literally didn't know anyone that was watching it. Anyway, as time's gone on, yeah. like more, more, you know, I know a lot of people watch you it. You don't have that problem anymore. No, no, no. But then also I do know a lot of people like yourself dropped off um, the show um, and sort of lost interest. I'll, I'll be honest with you, my interest has waned over the years. Mm-hmm. I think I think the I think the storyline where Negan was brought in because because Jeffrey Dean Morgan is such a great actor, they they dragged that out for two seasons as him being yeah. the main villain. Yeah. That shouldn't have happened. Um, what was the pre? I forgot it. The, the governor. Um, I thought the governor of all of the like bad guys that Walking Dead had, the governor was the best one. Yeah, no, he was good. But then again, they, and this is what we've talked about before, they made the mistake of bringing people back. There's no when the governor storyline came to an end. There was no need to let him live and then come back another day that mm-hmm. they, they should have just you know, killed him off and uh, at least though when they did bring him back he was still a scumbag and then he did get killed off it wasn't yeah. a, it was there was no there was it was good that there was no redemption storyline he just was, still was a villain mm-hmm. um anyway i've enjoyed i would say for the most part but the actual thing that's this season season 11 is what's actually dragged i have felt the commonwealth storyline has really Drag. This basically was another storyline, literally like Negan's and, and his, you know, it was just another bad guy in charge of the community that just mm-hmm. wanted to rule the communities. It's literally like been there, done that, just got a different name, you know, different yeah. villain, uh, sort of different setting. Yeah. And um, and the I've been I've really struggled to enjoy season eleven. Um so you're saying they that, got a little too heavy-handed with the rinse and repeat? Yeah, oh Walking Dead for years was a um what you call it? Uh, um, formula. It became a formula show. Mm-hmm. Walking Dead. Uh, in the beginning, the formula was group of people wandering around in the woods. Your favorite, the wandering little, around. Yeah, yeah they, they'd find a base or a camp or a prison or a barn, or then they do. They'd stay there for half a season or a season, and and then at the end of it, something would happen. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they were in season two. They were in the farm, and you know. And then the farm ended in fire or, or zombies or something like that at the end. And then they moved on. And then the prison, obviously, they had to leave because of the governor. Um, they have stayed, surprisingly, in Alexandra for quite a few times. Uh, so quite a long time. However, then the formula changed. And the formula was then meet a community, not do very well with the community. Like, I mean, I know the Whisperers didn't have a base, so to speak. But it was another community that they met that had their own way of living and mm-hmm. they kind of you know um they, the whisperers wanted 
you know, the people that it's under to, to live by their rules, et cetera, et cetera. You know. Do they just, ever yeah, explain like how much time has passed? Because like the, the whispers I always thought were super weird because how could they have had enough time to build that persona? You know what I mean? Like how, how has there been enough time where you guys have almost like completely forgotten your humanity and you like live amongst the zombies? That was weird to me. I was slightly confused. So I, there was a, another spinoff of The Walking Dead is Tales of the Walking Dead. Um, so in the main Walking Dead, they gave the uh, leader, Alpha, her own storyline. They did a flashback of, of how she became Alpha, or sorry, how she met Beta, sorry. And then in Tales of Walking Dead, they gave her an origin of how she she actually joined the Whisperers. Mm-hmm. So I'm slightly confused if those two are supposed to not, you know, if it's, I don't really know the timeline of those two events. Yeah. But, but basically, um, in the Tales of the Walking Dead, Alpha is um, living on a, on a, again, in a community, which is uh, on a boat, on a river, they form their own community on a, like a sort of like a steamboat type thing. Mm-hmm. She eventually leaves the boat with her daughter and they're sort of down and out in the middle of nowhere. And they run into the whisperers themselves so she ends up actually joining the whisperers so i don't know how long that they're you know how that was created mm-hmm. but it, it never seemed to me necessarily that they completely lost their humanity but more like they had decided that this is how they're going to live a survival i don't know like yeah. i think Al- alpha seemed to lose her humanity but she was obviously a, a um I don't know, like a bully, really. You just like wanted everyone to fall in line. A bit, another Negan, essentially. Yeah. Um, Aren't they all but, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although Negan is the only one who kind of reformed. The governor didn't reform. Alpha didn't reform. Um, whether or not Pam, who's the leader of the Commonwealth, will reform, we'll never know because she end the, the series ends with her being put in prison. Um, so anyway, this final episode led up to this whole confrontation between. Um, essentially the Commonwealth and everybody. And um, and we finally got a Maggie and Negan heart-to-heart moment. Um, I mean, I say heart-to-heart, like Maggie getting it all off her chest about how she feels. Um, but basically, she's saying, she says to him along the lines of, I can't forgive you, but I see kind of how you've changed and how you've grown and like, you know, and how she's like, you know, there are going to be some days where I just can't look at you because of what you did. Like, even she talks about how he beat Glenn with a baseball bat. She's like, Glenn was beautiful. She's like, but she's like, but I've seen everything you've done to save us all. She's like, you know, basically, she's trying to acknowledge that he's not that person. I don't um, care. Don't like, care. I uh, don't care. I think it is complete and utter bullshit that Negan got a redemption story. I really do. Like, if if you have the balls to create a guy that is as bad as he is, that beats people with a barbed wire laced baseball bat, then he should freaking die the same villain who beats people with a barbed wire laced baseball bat. Like, he should not be like some antihero by the end of the story. That is that's asinine. Well, I mean, people do change. I don't give not. a shit. I don't give a shit about you changing. You still beat no, the shit out of somebody with a baseball bat. I think, no, what I was going to say is I think there's a difference between him changing and growing and him changing and growing and then living with, not living with, but living in the same society as the widow that he created. I think, okay, fine, grow, change. But you might, you know, step away from the, you know, at least even, even the kindness of not, living with her in that society i think it's okay what he's done he's shown all of these people that he's changed he's, he's helped protect you know he's protected that community he's done a lot for the people that essentially he did wrong to in the beginning and that's good in a way like and i thought it was quite nice at the end daryl and him both each other um, give each other sort of a nod of respect like out of the window and i thought to myself that's taken a long time as well because daryl hated this guy for a long time and I, I thought to myself, that'll be their final scene, I betcha. Like, and it was their final moment they saw each other. Um, it couldn't be me. So It couldn't uh, be me. He could have done all that for the community. And the second I had a chance to have a face-to-face, I would have shoved some kind of knife or something <laughs> right up the bottom of his chin and just like been done with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so... <laughs> um, so 
spoiler here, there was only, well, there was a couple of people that died, but the one that got me the most was Rosita. She she did pass away in the final episode of The Walking Dead. It was quite, quite a sad moment. They will sort of take turns coming to see her in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's an, oh, I forgot his name, but there's a new male character they introduced after um, Rick left. Uh, he died as well. Um, and then, anyway, so the show ends with they defeat Alexandra. Pam, Pamela is put in prison. Um, they do a time jump a year later where um, uh, I've got his name now, the king guy who uh, had the tiger. Ezekiel. Uh, yeah, Ezekiel, that's it. He is now the sort of in charge of Alexandra, uh, sorry, in charge of the Commonwealth. Um, but we've still, we've still got, we've got the sort of civil communities that everybody's all at peace now, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure, I'm assuming if there's season 12, 13, 14, et cetera, I'm assuming they're a peace, they would be a peace long, but <laughs> it's ended with a peaceful time. Um, yeah. So it then ends with um, uh, Daryl and uh, Judith having a moment and she talks about how she knows that her mum went off to find her dad and she didn't initially want to tell Daryl this. And so he gets on his bike and he basically says he's going to go and try and find them. And, uh, you know, he says, obviously, I'll try and come back, etc. So we know for well that that's probably not going to happen because his spin-off has already been announced that he'll be in Europe. So I don't know how, like... I'm sorry, uh, what? I, I, they, they said, didn't they say his spin-off is going to be set in Europe? I'm pretty sure Daryl? Yeah, Daryl's one, yeah. I'm pretty I, sure. I thought Daryl and Carol were going to be together in their little spin-off. No, no, it's just Daryl now. Uh, it's just Daryl Dixon. It's uh, no, we remember. You've probably forgot we discussed this. Carol was going to be in it, but the actress who played Carol decided she didn't want to be in it because it's going to be set in Europe, and it's obviously quite a big commitment for her because I think the filming is also going to take place in Europe. So I think. Okay, so explain to me how, if if Daryl can't fly, how how does how how does how how I I mean they they haven't told us this yet, so I do not know. So, um. I mean, you know, I'm not really okay. sure those helicopters that they have that picked up Rick at the end of what was it, well, season okay. 10? Like okay. they can't get across the Atlantic. Okay, so if we were to make some assumptions, so what we do know from uh, the world beyond is that the CRM is led by somebody who appears to be British. So they must have got here somehow. So if Daryl, if Daryl somehow does go looking for Rick and gets himself in, in Shit Street. Maybe he ends up in Europe through the CRM, and maybe they still have planes. Like you know, they didn't they didn't get into helicopters or whatever. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe maybe there is a CRM connection. So uh, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, but I, I, you you watch, yeah. and then you just give me the rundown. I'm yeah, good. Yeah, so uh, it's meant to come out <laughs> next year. So at the end of it, the show ends with Daryl going off the bike, and then the titles come down. Well, not the screen sort of face to black. And then we have, which was so obviously going to happen, a um, uh, Michonne and Rick sort of scene, not together, uh-huh. but like overlapping in audio. And initially, I thought they were together. The way the way they were kind of fading out each other's faces, um, but their scenes are also not set. At the current, at the same time, so <clears throat> Michonne, Michonne's final episode, she finds some evidence that Rick is alive mm-hmm. on a boat, and the scene we see of Rick is him essentially on the run from the CRM. So he's wearing one of these jackets that's got the three circle symbols of the CRM. Mm-hmm. He's writing down a bunch of, he's doing a bunch of shit, like, and so uh, Michonne found this sort of drawing on, on a on a phone or something um and basically he throws it into a into a boat and in this scene that we see at the final episode now obviously that michonne found that in, i think it was in season 10 and that's led to her leaving to go find rick so now we now find out how rick threw that on that boat um so rick is a grotty mess this helicopter comes down and was like, Rick, you know, there is no leaving, etc. Um, and, and so I'm assuming that they're dragging his ass off back to the CRM. So Michonne, however, we see her writing like a letter 
uh, to to Judith, just, you know, and she puts it in like a bottle and and you know like a, you know like one of those uh, no in the bottle type things. Uh, and so basically, she's saying, you know, I'm still looking for your dad, etc. You know, it's a lovely little letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do this really cool montage of all the all the characters basically from The Walking Dead over the years. Um, yeah. And they show a mixture of people that have died and. And he, he he has a really cool line about you know we are the ones that lived or live and um, and then they show loads of loads of them all saying it and, and one of the ones that like, really hit me was Morgan uh, mm-hmm. so he's not in the show anymore he's in Fear the Walking Dead mm-hmm. but like he was <clears> part of the show as well and no it's such a cool cool sort of way to end it and then as that finishes they then show you all of the sort of spin-offs that are going to happen mm-hmm. um, so we've got the uh, Negan and Maggie one set in New York. Um, and then we've got the um, Michonne and uh, Rick, I think it's going to be six episodes miniseries. And then there is the series, which I, looks like they're just going with the name Daryl Dixon. So I, I assume it's going to be something like Daryl Dixon, Walking Dead or Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon or something like that. It just, it just came up on the screen, Daryl Dixon. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, from what I've read previously, that was going to be set in Europe. So. Yeah, uh, it's kind of weird. So one one show has now become three. So, uh, well, six but, technically. <clears throat> well, I, I, so you've got those three spin-offs. You've got Fear the Walking Dead, and if they're still doing Tales of Walking Dead, that's five shows. So what what's the other six one? Um, the World Beyond. Oh no, that's finished now. Well, no, I'm just I'm not currently running, but like this this one series has spawned six. Oh yeah, six spin-offs in total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I bet you any money there's more. But, yes. Um, this makes too much money for AMC. It is it is their singular moneymaker. Without The Walking Dead, the AMC has zero budget. I imagine that. So obviously we've said goodbye to the whole cast of you know Ezekiel, Carol, um, and obviously that whole world. They wouldn't. They won't leave that alone. Like that, I reckon at some point they'll come back. So. Of course. Uh, you know, even if it was a few years, but for me, so when this came to an end, I'll, like I say, circle back here, season 11, I haven't particularly enjoyed because I just felt like it was just a bit boring, if I'm honest. Um, and also, I didn't really care about the lead of Pam, she wasn't particularly interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they particularly picked, um, maybe it's just so they can pick a strong enough actress, I don't know, but. It, I just wasn't really that bothered about it. Like, um, anyway, I, I just kind of, maybe they should have made it shorter. They released it in three, they broke up the final season into three pieces. I just mm-hmm. think sometimes just get on with it. Like, bro, I know America did this a lot. They break things up and, you know, but just just show us a show. Like, I think COVID got in the way too, though. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, that, so they added, for the previous season, they added, I think it was like an additional six episodes of like, kind of more like sing sort of what do they call them like single-handed episodes that are kind of or very insular episodes there's mm-hmm. one about carol trying to find some food there's one about daryl finding a dog and a woman in the woods um who that woman actually came back later on and was a right pain in the ass um <laughs> so yeah so yeah like um I, there, there was a kind of impact um at, I've got this theory, right? So the Walking Dead comic book finished and Robert Kirkman brought it to a close. He didn't do any big announcements. He just brought the show to a close. Um, sorry, the comic to a close. And it was all in black and white, the original run. Now he's reprinting that whole series, the comic. Uh, it's coming out, I think it's coming out like twice a month or something. I don't buy it. But it's coming out, but he's reprinting it, but it's all in colour now. Mm-hmm. And I've got this theory that he's going to. So everyone's probably under the belief that he's just reprinting the original run all in colour and it'll come to an end again. Robert Kirkman's a sneaky git. And I've got this theory that he's going to go beyond his original run and add new stories on. Okay. And, and like not announce it. I think it's <clears> going <throat> to suddenly be the next issue will come out. Mm-hmm. That's my theory, right? So if that happens, like, would they, you know, try and bring the TV series back maybe once he's done another 10 or 20 issues of 
of sort of storyline for yes these characters. So, yes. Also, um, one thing we forgot to mention with the spinoffs, uh, Talking Dead. Even though that's like a live action thing, still, Talking Dead has been very popular. Oh, I've never watched that. I hate shows like that. The after show. Yeah, which yeah, I guess you could say something like this was an after show. Um, <laughs> but I've never been a fan of after shows. Like, I, I think I've never been a fan of after shows where they're run by the people who make the actual show. Well, but I think it's all fan service. Like they realized that they had this massive thing and they just wanted people to have more access to it. Yeah. And so anything to keep the conversation going is what I think. Yeah, I just always felt like when with after shows run by people that made the show, they're never going to ask controversial questions. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I started watching the show like 12, 12 years ago. Okay. So this has been like a part of my life, 12 years. And kind of, it's weird to me mm-hmm. now it's over. It's good, quite a big chunk of my life, this TV show. And I, um, whilst I can't say, you know, I try, try to keep on top, top of everything I ever watch because I always hate to, you know, stop. Because I always like, I think once you start, you don't finish. But there are some things I have given up on, like yeah. Grey's Anatomy. Like Grey's Anatomy. Like I've, I've watched most of that, but I gave up on that like two seasons ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's I'm been done. on for like 84 years, so that's I know. Um, I do know that, by the way, Meredith is leaving. Um, I do know that. About bloody time. Um, so, but I I don't care about Grey's Anatomy. It's lost, lost interest to me. But The Walking Dead, I stuck with it, and I do, and I have enjoyed it. And when they showed that montage of previous characters that used to be in, in it and left along oh, the yeah. way. That's heartfelt. Oh, I know that's heartfelt, but I also felt like a little <clears> bit like other than Daryl and Carol, I'm pretty sure those are the only two from the original first ever episode now. Um, this is pretty much a different show that ended to where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's quite <clears> it's quite surreal to see all of these characters and some that aren't even now with us in the real world. Like some of them have passed on or whatever. Like, and yeah, it was quite heartfelt. So I was, you know, I was quite sad that it sort of come to an end. And um, I feel like this is actually a bit of a nicer slide into what we wanted to talk about rather yeah. than having a go and jokes. Um, so at the weekend, I was on, on Sunday, I was on my way home and um, from London, I was in London for the day. And I uh, just picked up my phone and I was just scrolling. And all of a sudden, I saw. I actually couldn't believe it when I first read it. I really had to, I had to go and Google. Someone did put this on Instagram and I had to actually put it into Google to see if this is real. Because mm-hmm. um, I know sometimes people jump ahead. But yeah, the sad news is that Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger and the White Ranger in Mind Morphin Power Rangers um, from my childhood, uh, unfortunately, at the age of 49, took his own life at the weekend. Uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of kind of oddly hit me uh, a little bit so um you know I'm, I'm not gonna lie i like when i was a kid i wanted to be a green ranger but <laughs> uh i like who didn't but you know i wanted uh, to be the yellow ranger and, uh, which sadly trini the actress yeah trini also is that i i didn't know about that for years because that happened before sort of social media uh i read that she died in a car accident so yes um so i think I, she I, was I, the only person in the car that died there were three other people in the car and she, they just couldn't get to her in time. See, I only, do you know what the weird thing is? I found out about that about nine years after it happened. Oh, no, um, I found out like when they recast the Yellow Ranger to Aisha in the next season, I was like, where the hell is Trini? And then that's oh, what we it, found out. Was it, at that, was it at that time? Uh, I mean, I, the internet was still up, but it was definitely not the social kind of thing yeah. that we have now. But yeah, yeah, as soon as I realized that they had recast the Yellow Ranger, I, I went to find out why. Because well, I knew that. Um, well, I'd heard at the time that Jason and Zach, the, the, the actors who played them, they left for financial reasons, and um, I just at the time I never bothered to look it up on the internet. I assumed that she'd left for the same reasons, but obviously mm-hmm. she didn't. Then I didn't realize it was actually at that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Jason David Frank, someone I actually have followed on Instagram. For years like he just I, I can imagine he probably was sad that he didn't have any real success beyond the power rangers mm-hmm. like and i know that he was 
I, I don't know where it was at actually if I'm honest he was trying to make a film of his own which was inspired by the Power Rangers I think it's called Legend of the White Dragon or something like that mm-hmm. and he didn't really seem to have much acting Do you know I remember seeing him as a kid in one episode of Sweet Valley High um and, and I remember at the time like quite pleased for him because uh-huh. I thought oh good good he's getting into other things but then he didn't seem to be in anything else um so I know that he's done a lot of other stuff with martial arts and yeah I was gonna um, say he has an academy here um because yeah. he lived here in Houston um yeah. but that's you never you never know what people are what you know what demons people are carrying right no no I mean it, it really shocks me because he just um he always seems so positive and happy on his Instagram and he seems right really uh to interact with his fans and and um and you know obviously to hear that he's left four children as well um yeah like just I mean he's 49 years old I'm 41 and just yeah like kind of I don't know just really sort of hit me and I think again a bit like I said with Walking Dead big chunk of my life like powering just obviously were a huge part of my childhood mm-hmm. and whilst I didn't carry on following the show obviously as I got older because the show never matured it's yeah. <laughs> a children's show um the show did not bored. grow with you no 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 like but you know very occasionally I, if I sit there I'll be honest with you it's on Netflix if so, it's like very occasionally I have gone back and put the odd episode on from uh David Jason Frank's run and mm. I just remember as a child just how amazing it was when they introduced the Green Ranger because <clears throat> Power Rangers was <clears throat> a formula show mm-hmm. you know and I what I for the Power Rangers episodes I enjoyed the most were the ones that were not formula the ones where they were like three five six episode storylines and mm-hmm. they did something a little bit different and, and they did a lot that involved Jason David Frank uh, you know when they brought him in uh, it's a green with evil something it's like six episodes and they introduced the Dragon Zord and uh, everything I was like this is brilliant I was like that's great uh, <laughs> And then, and, and apparently, he wasn't meant to be in it much beyond that. But because of his popularity, they brought him back. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, because they were using a lot of footage from, um, I forgot what was the show was called. In, uh, you know, the Nine Wolf Parents just taking the footage from. Um, uh, do you know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah, yeah uh, all the. Uh, it was like the Japanese footage that they just intercut. Yeah. They never re-edited. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember so, the name of the show, but yeah, yeah. all yeah, the yeah. stuff with like Rita Repulsa, all of yeah, that yeah. was straight, well, yeah. straight from all Japan. That. So because obviously they are having, to, they can only use what they, um, that footage of the Green Ranger, so that, that obviously finished. And then I think they brought, they found a way of bringing the Green Ranger back again, because they obviously had more footage later on, so they brought him again. But then when that footage all finished, they obviously had to write Jason David Frank out. Mm-hmm. But what I read for, so when they brought the White Ranger back, so when they brought him back as the White Ranger, the the show that it's based off of that they cut the footage from isn't the same character as the Green Ranger and the White Ranger in those um uh in those shows. Apparently yeah. the White Ranger is a child that ages up when he becomes Power Ranger. Uh, <laughs> but they but they found the but they obviously through the power of uh technology yeah, that's like Shazam and, 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 and like editing that they actually cast uh, Tom, Tommy Oliver who obviously Joseph Defrick played to be the White Ranger and brought him back because of the popularity of the actor and the character. They found a way to bring him back as um, Power Ranger. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I didn't know that until today when I was reading up. But, yeah, I just, yeah, no, it's just really sad. And, um, I mean, I mean, it was sad for myself and you. And, and I've seen a lot of people um, on the social media world that we, we were interlinked with sharing that equally pictures and I've seen some people even posting pictures that we know with him and, mm-hmm. and, I, and that, that made me think like you know I never met him never had a chance to meet him and I never will now and um I went onto his Instagram and I saw that he posted a picture of um there's an actor from uh Bear Cool and he said this guy came up to him and saying how amazing he is with his fans and he said it reminded him of um the time Stanley came up to him and said how amazing he was with his fans and I was like, you know, like, although he may never have been that big an actor, he, he obviously was huge <clears throat> in, you know, the comic book world. Yeah. And, and sort of, you know, in, in most, I would say most Hollywood circles probably knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know, just I imagine that obviously all of his previous co-hosts and or, sorry, co-hosts, 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 co-hos
family and friends are clearly going to be more devastated than we are. Um, yeah. Like, but it's obviously for the fact that me and you as fans are even talking about this, it's obviously just how, what big influence he's had. Um, but yeah, and no, I just, I guess it's surreal when you like childhood heroes, unfortunately, like say life catches up with them. So yeah, one of the ones that hit me really hard was Anthony Bourdain a few years ago. That was, that was a tough pill to swallow. I loved Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain was part of the reason that inspired me to travel by myself. So that one was that one was tough, but again, you never know what people are going yeah. through. No, no, I, I just, yeah, I don't know, never see it. I like, come in and I guess I don't know. Like I don't know what he was going through. I mean, I know a lot of people blame what they call in speech marks the COVID years, but yeah, you know, maybe, maybe there's a bit of that. So um, anyway, but I, I, I should be remiss me to not say anything. But obviously, if anyone listening to this is struggling in one form or another. Um, we're not professionals, but I'm sure you can hit us up and uh, we can send you some links or phone numbers. But equally, uh, probably a quicker thing to do would be to Google it. But um, obviously, you would say is make sure you um, do speak to somebody if you're struggling and don't go down that road. Um, even if it's just think of people you know and love. Um, so, so I'm sure people that are going to be affected by this the most are are his children. So yeah um but yeah so anyway um do you have anything else to say about it or so on that note we should move on to something uh and boost ourselves back up again yeah a little bit a little bit more upbeat yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. uh so we decided after the last couple of episodes so we had uh, 30 days of night which was horrible but i don't mean it it was like a horrible film it was just really freaking gruesome yeah, it was uh, great. It was great. And then after last week's double whammy of the Black Panther, watching Chadwick, and then obviously watching everybody say goodbye. Yeah. I was like, Jasmine, let's do something lighthearted. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we like, needed a break. So the Phantom from 1996, which is based off of The Phantom by Lee Falk, first published in February 1936. Crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like, Honestly, like when I first saw this movie as a kid, I had no idea it was based on a comic book at all. Did not did not have a clue. And especially one from 1936. I probably didn't know that at the time, like, but I'll talk about it in a minute, but I did have some familiarity with the character. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, More than I written, did anyway. <laughs> uh, written by Jeffrey Bohm, uh, I think. Uh, that's how you say something. Uh, directed by Simon Winter. It stars a lot of people who you'll know. Um, Billy Zane, Treat Williams, Kirsten Swanston, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones from my neck of the woods uh slightly across the road yeah. uh she's Lamar. welsh you can't claim her she's two hours away it's two hours away it's two hours away and uh she's she's from britain so um anyway james ramar and patrick magoo magoohan i think Magoohan. anyway so it's released june 7th 1996 in the united states running time is 100 minutes so long um budget yeah. Uh, this didn't do well. So nope. budget was budget was forty five million US dollars. <laughs> it made <clears throat> drum roll, please. It made twenty three point five million US dollars. Womp womp. <clears throat> You'd be pretty pissed if you put money into this film. It yeah. bombed. In other words, <clears throat> it yeah. bombed. All right, summary as usual. Well, we did use ad lib our summaries, and then it's yeah, no, summary. we stopped doing that. Yeah, <laughs> because then uh, our summaries would take like ten minutes. <laughs> anyway, so we've co- we've copied and pasted this from the internet. In the early 16th century, a young boy helplessly witnesses his father killed by. How about Singh? Yeah, there you go. Ruthless leader of the Singh Brotherhood who attacked their ship. The boy jumps overboard and is washed ashore on that galley, an island where local tribesmen find him and take him to their village. There he is given the skull ring, swears to devote his life to the destruction of piracy, greed, cruelty, and injustice. And as an adult, adopts the identity of the Phantom, a master Avenger. Avenger. Um, the role of the Phantom is passed from father to son through 400 years, leading people to believe in a single immortal figure. Mm-hmm. Right. What is your... Uh, 
familiarity, Jasmine, with the Phantom? None. This this movie is the as familiar as I got with the Phantom. Um, I was very much unaware of a cartoon that I learned about shortly before we started recording. Um, No, this was literally the first time I'd ever heard of the character. And I think this movie came out in 96. So this was like right on the heels of Billy Zane's sort of Titanic fame. Um, Because I think Titanic was 94. Um, But no, did not, again, had no idea who this character was at all. So really weirdly, as I was reading that, uh, um, thing here about the Phantom's parcel from Father's Son in 400 years. I thought to myself, what if he had a door? And then that suddenly links with actually my next thing. So, my familiarity it, initially, my first ever familiarity with the character of the Phantom was in a cartoon that I used to love called Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> so, Defenders of the Earth features two characters that I'm very familiar with, as well as others not so familiar with. So Defenders of the Earth is Flash Gordon, it's the Phantom, Mandarin, um, Mandrake the Magician, uh, uh, Lothar, who's super strong, and then four young children who are sort of the next generation kind of thing. To um, me, they look like the Planeteers <laughs> from Captain Planet. So the Phantom's daughter is actually in this, and I've just, like, literally as I said it, I had a flashback uh, one memory of one of the episodes where she does put the costume on. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an episode where <clears throat> I, I think they, I think they think like the dad's dead or something like that. Obviously he's back by the end of the episode, but she ends up putting the costume on and taking on the mantle briefly. From memory, obviously my memory is like from 30 years ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I love the films of the year. Uh, it's like honestly, what I if I ever have no time I may one day ever subsequently watch Defenders of the Earth. Um, then other connections I had was they released a 2009 miniseries on Sci-Fi Channel in America. Oh wow. When I say, when I say a miniseries it was two episodes. Um, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that it was probably geared up to have a TV series or something but I don't think anything happened. Uh, hmm. It's sort of a, an updated version of The Phantom. I really really enjoyed it. Um, there was also a cartoon which came out uh, in 1994 called The Phantom 2040. So that is set in the future as well. Um, set, set, in, <laughs> set in a city called Metropia, which was previously known as New York. And yeah, so it, it's very, it, it, it had like an I would say like an early anime style about the cartoon. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that just followed solely the Phantom and his supporting cast. No Defenders of the Earth there. Yeah. But well, that I, one came out right before this film, though. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but I would say probably back then there was obviously a little bit of popularity of the character of the Phantom, especially yeah. maybe around children. And in some ways, that's quite a nice segue into my thought, early thoughts on this. So. What we've established here is I've got a little bit more linkages to the Phantom than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Like, and um, so my thoughts, try to summarize my thoughts on watching this movie. I did watch this at the time when it came out because I, mm-hmm. I did have a fondness, and I still have a fondness for the character of the Phantom. And I remember watching this and enjoying it as a child. I don't think I've really rewatched really this that many times. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatching it now, um, I would say this is a good family film. It's a very good 90s, early 2000s family film. I think as a society, we've moved on from family films in terms of their styling. Um, It's very similar to, I I mean, we've seen uh, seen this formula used quite a few times, Tarzan, for instance, um, where something happens in the jungle that forces the hero to come to New York City. Yeah. Normally, Why normally. are all the jungle heroes white, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. That that's a, a question <laughs> that is often asked and uh, and very nineties. So, yeah. Um, I wonder if they did the Phantom now, if it would be that way. So anyway, like uh, 
Phantom goes to New York City and basically there's a bad guy that wants all these skulls and they've got powers, you know, very Indiana Jones. And very. Phantom, obviously, who is the protector of all these injustices, you know, somehow goes to New York. And... I mean, conveniently, that's where he's from. So, well, well he said he was born in no, the cave, but no, like he lived in, in New York. Yeah, he was born in the cave, but they schooled him in New York. Yeah. So, and then he went back to live in the cave. So, yeah. Anyway, um, then he ends up basically meeting all the villains and, and they all have a standoff and, yeah. you know, then there's a few romantic part bits around and stuff like that. And, you know, it's a nice film. Like, it's, it I is very it's campy. Nice. It's campy. It's nice. It's, I, I would say the bits that for me, which didn't work, where the Phantom is running around in New York in his costume, standing yeah. out like a sore thumb. Yeah, and that um, bright purple thing. But even like even in the jungle, the bright purple thing, you would have thought in the jungle they might have thought through that actually needs camouflage. Yeah, I mean, I would have assumed being in the jungle, like it should have been green. Yeah. So, so to cut to link back to my um my connections with the Phantom. I think the Phantom as a character works really well in animation. So putting him in Defenders of the Earth was kind of a, you know, an 80s, I would say it was Avengers, but it was like that kind of early team style thing where we have mm-hmm. sort of some superheroes put together. And I think the Phantom worked really well in the 80s cartoon uh, series. So I think it fits very well in that era in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we had. The, you know, the Phantom 2040 set in the future. I think that, that worked well in that styling. I don't think it particularly worked well, unfortunately, in this. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, I don't think, you know, even though this was set, um, when was this set, like 1930s or something? Yeah, like 38, um, I think, 1938. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, for me, it just didn't suit the styling. Now, don't get me wrong, if the, if the character of the Phantom and the mantle is over 400 years, obviously the mantle is going to go through a lot of generations to get yeah. where he is. You know, he's going to go, he would have gone through the 18th century, et cetera, and the progression. Um, and so I, I get that, you know, this character, this mantle would have gone through all those years. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know, like, could they not have had different costumes, like for different yeah. events? Could they not, <laughs> could, could, you know, did he need to really run in to the building like in New York in his suit could he not have just stuck in the suit that he was in originally and just you know was because obviously his normal identity is Kit Walker could he just yeah. I, I don't know like I know, I know the suit felt a little more advanced than the time period to me like yeah, the yeah, suit seemed like it, it yeah. was something from like 70s 80s but this is set in like the 30s late think, late 30s but still I think that's the thing they were going with an adventure style film yeah with a character that potentially didn't fit in that film, so yeah. or in that era. Um, now, if they'd have done a 1930s film, potentially with the Phantom, maybe in the jungle for the whole of the film, mm-hmm. and and not in the 30s, and maybe if they'd have tried to play around with the jungle element more. Yeah. Also, like one of the things I love about the Phantom is his sort of pet name, or sort of the other name they call him, the Ghost Who Walks, because he's yeah. obviously meant to be mysterious and in the shadows mm-hmm. he doesn't stay in the shadows too long like and that to me felt like they were going with a, a batman-esque sort of character yeah. um batman never would have been like running and jumping into the back of cabs saying follow that person so, no. <laughs> um i mean batman obviously had a batman deal but like and you know and for the fact that kit clearly has a lot of money you know handing out all these diamonds and stuff like that yeah um but then you don't get that like cheesy cabbie character like that you don't you don't get al you know what i mean like i i I, yeah i don't know it's generally i watched it and i was like i didn't hate this film i just thought to myself like it's just it's just a nice film yeah i like you i saw it when it first came out and i remember enjoying it when it first came out but like it was one of those things where it was like i had a good time while i was watching it and then when i left the theater it was like i never thought about this movie again um but this time around it felt very much like a video game 
from the opening sequence where they're driving the truck across the bridge. They got the kid. There's like booby traps in the cave. It all felt very much like I was playing Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, if I like, I feel like I enjoyed the movie a lot more watching it this time than I did, you know, back in 96. Um, so to me, it, it, like, it felt like Uncharted. It felt like, obviously, Indiana Jones. It was very Indiana Jones-esque. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the Goonies, like when we get to the end and then there's the oh, ship yeah. and the pirates and all that stuff. Um, but like, oh, it also reminded me of that comic that we read, uh, Adventure Man. Oh, you yeah. remember that comic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it reminded me a lot of that. It also reminded me of Jupiter's Legacy. Like, I wonder if Jupiter's Legacy got some of its inspiration from the Phantom because it it very much felt kind of like, oh, it's we're mixing supernatural powers with, you know, people from New York City that are trying to defeat evil, yada, yada, yada. So this time around, it felt a lot more familiar, but I guess that's just because I've been exposed to more things now than I had been in 96. And so it just watching it this time, it felt everything about it felt familiar. It didn't feel as like weird and out there as it, it actually is. Um, and I just, I enjoyed it so much because to me, I choose to look at this movie as like, it was intentionally campy, not that they were trying to do something different and like, didn't succeed so I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and i'm gonna go with they made this movie this way on purpose yeah I, i'm trying to think if you would yeah I, his costume was definitely campy yes and the... but the action sequences are really campy like the fight choreography is really campy the the whole scene on the boat where Catherine Zeta-Jones randomly kisses him out of nowhere like some guy falls from the ceiling and your first inclination is to kiss him like I thought that was super weird Um, yeah so I think there's a lot in here that is really campy uh but I I enjoyed it because to me that's that when I think of adventure stories obviously the first thing that comes to mind is Indiana Jones and to me Indiana Jones is really campy so I thought it fit the theme of like we're telling an old timey adventure story. You know, I before we started, I found an article and um, on a on a website called Film Stories, and basically, it's, it's Billy Billy Zane here is uh, uh, the subject of this article is that Billy Zane would love to do a, a legacy sequel. Um, Sort of him passing the uh, the mantle. I think he could do it to a to a, um uh, you know to his child his son potentially mm-hmm. or, or daughter. Um, now now we're in the. I was going to say in this day and age it'd have to be a daughter. It would have to be a daughter. Yeah, right? and uh, I think you know though a daughter would be pretty cool. And yeah, back then they wouldn't have done that. But actually, no, I say that in the Defenders of the Earth it was his daughter. So. Can't, actually, which was pretty good, actually. But that was in a cartoon. They wouldn't have done yeah, that in yeah. live action. No, probably not. Though. They wouldn't have had the chops to have made a female central lead where yeah. now they do do that. But Although anyway, Christy Swanson wasn't bad because she got her start with Buffy, the vampire slayer, yeah. the film, the original film. Um, anyway, this guy here, uh, I don't know who wrote this article, uh, somebody called Dan Cooper. He wrote this actually last year in December. Uh, I want to actually read this first paragraph because actually I will agree with this whole first paragraph. Dan Cooper, he um, sounds like a guy that used to that I used to work with that wrote at Screen Rant. Dan Cooper. Maybe. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. So it says here 1996 is The is a movie that enjoys at least a bit of cult of a cult following. Had it released at uh, had it released at another point in time, it may have even have amassed a wider audience upon release, perhaps spawned sequels or, and then you put in brackets here, wishful thinking on my part, close brackets, part of the first step in a Defenders of the Earth live action movie. Um, And then you put a project that would have united the ghost who walks with Flash Gordon, Mandrake, uh, and more to form an Avengers style, Avengers Assemble style movie based on the Saturday morning cartoon. Anyway, I won't read the rest of that. Basically, Billy Zane says he would love to sort of pass the torch. Uh, he puts it to be honest, the Phantom Return would be quite interesting 20 years later. It's a father to son business and it had a bit of a handoff. 
and I dug him up because he didn't have, sorry, and I dug him because he didn't have superpowers really, it just kind of super humane. Again, the moral compass would be a nice reminder. So right out of the comic universe, I'd say the character would be a hoot. Uh, I mean, that was a cheesy quote by Billy Zane. Um, I mean, but that but sounds I, very I, Billy Zane. <laughs> so I, I actually thought, was, the reason I grabbed that is because I, on the summary of the f- film, they do set it up, obviously. We, we do see him talk to his father, who was the previous um, owner of the Mantle of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And then somebody talks about how they uh, killed, killed the Phantom. Yep, stabbed uh, him in the back with a 12-inch blade. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, so basically, that would actually be pretty cool. And I think people would probably be quite into it. So I, I would be into it if they brought Billy Zane back as an older or rougher guy and passing the torch but honestly that would be amazing it, like what that guy wrote there about a live action um defenders of the earth movie would be yeah. just I, I would love it personally like if they did a like a handoff and boy boy in uh i don't know like but who would their there. villain be so if we're talking 30 years that'd be like 1968 what 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 would the what would the subject of a film like this be in 1968? Well, I mean, the main villain in the uh, Defenders of the Earth cartoon was Ming the Man, Ming from uh, Flash Gordon, who you obviously aren't familiar with because I know you're not familiar with Flash Gordon. So <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, well we'll bring that to a close from potential sequels. But uh, did you have a favorite character from the movie? Um, yes, the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you know what? When I was thinking about favorite characters, I laughed myself thinking, oh, one of my favorite characters only had like one scene. My, Who was your favorite? The taxi driver. Oh, Al, yeah. Oh, my, I th- my, you know what? It was really funny when I was watching this at the end and Al goes, I love New York. I thought about you and I was like, that sounds like a bit, something Mark would say. I just love that he showed up at the zoo like, yeah. and, got, and put him in the car. Get in! I'll be honest, none of these characters I was particularly bothered about. So it was more quirky characters like the cabbie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so. Although a surprise character, I did not remember him being in this movie, but uh, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa is one of my favorite actors. He was Shang mm. Tsung in Mortal Kombat. He was in Rising Sun. Oh, um, yeah. So to see him at the end of the film, like I got such a kick out of that. Like when I was a kid, I had the biggest crush on him. Biggest crush on him. Um, so structure of the film itself, we kind of talked about it a little bit. It's yeah, summary, it's very formulaic. But, like uh, it's 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 cheesy. The script yeah. is easy. Flashback, it's, origin story, yeah. present day, damsel in distress, hero saves the day. I mean, it was very like follow follow the formula. That's that's what it did. Did you have a favorite scene though? I've got a favorite scene. Um, I did. It was a very small scene, but like, so when when they leave New York after they have kidnapped uh, Diana, and they or Diane, and they leave New York, and they're on that plane with the the pontoon plane, and it's yeah. like the plane is flying out of the scene. Oh no, and like, that is my favorite scene. The wing tipped over and then you can see oh. the phantom like under the wing. And I was like, oh, that was, that was actually really cool. Like, and, oh, no, but like, say. oh yeah, that, so that, that sequence where it was just kind of like, hey, surprise, oh, yeah. like <laughs> there's a guy on the plane. They, when they're getting off the, um, when they're um, Diana and. Um, oh, onto the horse. And the phantom and they're getting onto the horse. I was like, this is stupid. So yes. stupid. Because like, the horse is running as fast as the plane. I thought it was so cool. The wolf goes and finds the horse, barks at him. Yeah. Then they run, then they follow him. And the then plane. they run like hell. And I was like, <laughs> why can't my dog be as like well? Be nice to Cooper. I bet like, I bet Cooper would. Like if you gave him the opportunity, I bet Cooper would make friends with horses. Like and then run through the woods to save my life. Like <laughs> oh, he wouldn't do that. He'd follow the food. Like there's been no food there. Poor Cooper. Uh, but that, honestly, that scene there, where they jumped off the little plane onto yeah. the horse. And I was like, that's great. And then I couldn't believe it. I actually couldn't believe the cheek of the Phantom when he tells her, uh, Diana, to get behind him. Yes, so, while everybody is shooting. Like, yeah, I was like, of course you just told her to get on your back. Like, 
everybody's shooting up your ass. Like, you know, oh if anyone's going to get it, she's going to get it first. That was, that was so funny when he said that. I was like, what an ass. <laughs> I know. I was like, Hey, I do you mind being it. a human shield? Could you like just right. flip around, get behind me while I, you know, drive the horse? <laughs> I honestly thought that was just like something else. Like, I was, Chivalry is but, dead. Yeah, I was like, no way. No, you didn't <laughs> ask her to get on the back so you can like yeah. get get. So yeah, shot. she gets like, shot first. Yeah, yeah. So um That was uh, funny. Anyway, that was anyway. so funny. Is there any changes you'd make to this? Film? Oh my god, tons, but I don't have time well, to yeah, talk about yeah, them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> me too. I, I, to be honest, I think if I was to make a real change, it would be to make this more modern. Yeah. Like, I think the Phantom would suit more of a modern setting, uh, mm. or for it to be a purely jungle-based film. Like, they've done so many of these Ghost of New York films. So, yeah. Uh, to uh, to uh, remake this film, but to make it more like a Tomb Raider. Yeah. I yeah, think that could be. be cool. Yeah, or yeah. like if they just lean into the video game aspect of it like do do that a bit more like i mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind them doing another film and making it campy again but like it it just it didn't all work to me like the suit to me was out of place and for whatever reason like the gun that he used felt very out of place to me too even though the bad guys had guns but like the gun that it just used. yeah it just felt really out of place for him to have the gun um so just kind of cleaning all of those things up and and making sure that the whole film is in the same timeline, not like mm-hmm. parts of it are in the future or whatever. So at the time this film came out, it came out around sort of the 90s. There was quite a few similar movies of this era. Mm-hmm. Like the Rocketeer, it reminds me a lot of The Rocketeer. Um, the Rocketeer. I know, I love The Rocketeer too. Uh, things like Honey, I Built a Kid. And there's a bunch of other movies that came out around the 90s, adventure-style films. Yeah. Is there, how do you think this fits in, in that world? Like... I think it fits well, honestly. Like I I think I think for the era that this film came out, it's not out of place in 1996. It is it is definitely the kind of film that does not age well. It is very, very, very out of place in 2022. But I think in 1996, looking at the slate of films that are coming out around the same time, it's very it's you know, a very generic late 90s film. There's there's nothing specifically out of place about the film itself to me so it it pulls a lot of elements like from those kinds of things and i think you can kind of see that 90s influence and just sort of the way that the interactions are happening uh but like no i think it it fits its time period like in the sense that it fits with the rest of the films that were coming out at that time to me yeah i think i was gonna say at that time in the 90s so so i know obviously you know through the three years, 70s, 80s, you know, they've, they've always made films that had sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, like, there was a lot of one and done movies, unlike now, where Hollywood is trying to, yeah, you know, what TV series can spin out of this, what movies yes. can spin out of this, what universe can we build. Back then, they, they did. And actually, to be honest, and this is a lot more credit, and whilst this film isn't, the, you know, the most challenging of movies, back then, <laughs> back then, they would be concentrating on telling a good story. Like yeah. you know, when they made the Phantom, they weren't thinking, "Can we make four Phantom movies? Right. Can you know? Can we can we make a cartoon spinning out of it, or a, you know, a live action prequel TV series where we see the Phantom in New York, or like you know, growing up? Or they didn't. You know, it was none of those thoughts went into it. It was just actually, can we make a really good movie? So I would say, and that was all that time. Like I say, they made Rocketeer at the same time, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Rock, I mean, but if we're comparing, Rocketeer is a far superior film. Oh, yeah. Oh, far, yeah. far superior film. Oh, yeah. Rocketeer tells a much better story also. I think The Phantom mm. is is intentionally campy. Mm. Um, but I think that them making it so over the top is probably what hurt its box office. Mm. Like, even though it fits with the things of the time. Like, at the time, I'm sure 45 million was a pretty hefty budget for something that they probably knew from the very beginning would be like a B-level film. Um, but at 45 million in 1996, like you're at the very least, you were expecting to make 47 million, right? Like, and it just, it, it didn't get there. And I think like part of the reason though, when you watch this film, we joked about like favorite characters, not even being the humans. <laughs> but like when you watch this film, Billy Zane and Treat Williams 
are the only two people that actually give a shit about their characters. Like Billy Zane plays this character down to his tippy toes. Like there are parts where he is walking through this cave and he has like a ballerina toe point. Like he is literally acting all the way to his toes. And Treat Williams is completely and ridiculously villainous and over the top and he is very great everyone else is phoning it in and you can tell that it's very obvious that nobody else really cares about this part it's just like they're paying me to be here so i'm showing up um and i think that 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 disconnect because like when you get down to it this cast really didn't have any chemistry like Mm. none of them and you know it kind of to me on on that front it reminded me of the eternals where like the eternals is telling this epic epic 5000 year love story but like there is no chemistry between the two people that are supposed to be in love with each other and the phantom has a, a lot of that where it's just oh, kind it's of like, yeah, there's, like there, there's no chemistry whatsoever i like it's not any animosity like it doesn't feel awkward or anything it's just like there's no chemistry between these characters i want to think because of people watching it expected a kiss and at the same time he's like you know i only reveal my identity to the person i'm gonna marry yeah but, and then takes off his mask so yeah and she still kisses him. <laughs> uh, I guess she probably felt like she had to. Uh, so, um, anyway, uh, so rating out of five, what would you go? I still don't know right now. Like it's going to my mind. Okay, I'm 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 gonna have to just give this. I got two separate ratings in my head. Like yeah, as far as this film being intentionally campy, like camp factor on superhero in the jungle going to new york city like overall camp factor this movie gets a five like it leaned into that campiness very well Mm. overall like movie score i'd probably give it a two out of Mm. five i I, I was like in my mind i think like if i watched it in the 90s this would have got i sorry i didn't watch it in the 90s but if i was racing in the 90s i'd give it a higher score Um, in the 90s i probably would have given it three and a half yeah, 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 three and a half probably would be good by then. However, 2022, did it age well? No. Like no. you say, though, Billy Zane and Treat Williams were the best of yes. the cast. Um, there were some people that had some good moments, but Billy Zane and Treat, actually, I would say Treat Williams probably was the standout actor in this yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. So, um, the villain, actually, in the 90s was always the standout. Yes. Um, I'm going to go with you. It's a two for me. So, yeah. so, anyway, for our next episode, following our news that we had at the beginning of the show, um, we decided that. Bringing you we, another double feature. Going to bring you a double, double In fact, actually, our next three episodes are going to be double features because we know Christmas is coming and uh, there's a few we wanted to cover. And um, following our news, we decided whilst the comics didn't come out first, we're making an exception. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, so following J- Jason Dan Frank's death, we decided that next week is going to be a double feature. We're going to review Mike Morton Power Rangers, a movie from 1995, and Power Rangers from 2017. And now there are lots of comics. There's been there's comics that came out back when this came out. And there is a very successful line of comics from the studios at the moment. So it is comic related. So And um, one of the guests that we had on for uh, one of our book club episodes, Sean Pryor. He is going to be writing for a Power Rangers series pretty soon coming up here. So that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually looking forward to our double feature next week. And it's basically it's a tribute episode to Jason David Frank. And we thought that would be a nice thing to do, really. Like yeah. nice for us and nice for everyone else. And, um, you know, so anyway, we're all going to take that trip on. down memory lane together. Yeah, so you can follow us on social media. We keep some everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And thank you for listening. Have a good week. Good journey. 